0: Hi, my name's Heather, and I am starting this podcast. I really want people to hear the destruction, the pain, and the hurt that has been caused by losing your family. I'm not going to say I was a perfect adult. I started off probably around the age of 17. I tried heroin for the first time and got involved with drugs. And that is a big part of why my life turned out the way it did. Now, I started off by saying about my family, because I will get into that, And how loss can make addiction even worse. I am educated. I went back to school. I had dropped out when I was 17, but went back and got my GED. And did a year of college. And that's when my mother died. Now, to take you into that, I want to go back first. I had a somewhat normal upbringing. I lived on the outskirts of the city of Baltimore, Maryland. And currently I'm still in Baltimore. It was better... Than I thought my mother was an alcoholic my father was a narcissist they dealt with a lot of issues and the issues I as an eight-year-old child had to deal with Um, dealing with my mother trying to commit suicide my father sexually abusing her and me being told about it when I got older I really put a lot of stuff in my head, and I'm trying to figure it out. That's what's causing me to put this stuff on this podcast. I have dabbled in a lot of sexually explicit jobs. I've done a lot of office work, too. It, It cracks me up to think that Majority of my years after having my children were sex jobs. And I'm going to get into that at a later date on a different, on a different podcast. But this is really to explain how I am doing at 39 years old right now. My drug addiction which led into getting clean and getting my life together. Um, it did not happen overnight. I, um, My mother actually passed away when my son was three. Me and her were living together. My father had left her after 24 years for another woman. So we ended up in shelter type living to where we were in some type of section 8 housing so that's where that all started and she passed away and i was pregnant we had let a man come in and live in our home because he was homeless and we felt bad of course because my mother is a very was a very sweet woman And I am a very sweet person. So, of course, I got pregnant by this man. And I find my mother lying on the floor, dead, almost dead. Um, She had had an aneurysm, and my son had autism, so he couldn't speak. So I did not know that she was laying on the floor until I came down because I heard the water running and it was running way too long. And I come out and I look down in the kitchen and she's laying there. The feelings that I felt from that were horrific. I couldn't dial 911 fast enough. I was enraged that this is happening to me. I'm I'm trying to make our lives better. I'm enrolled in college. I'm in my second year starting college thinking we're gonna have a better life. Well that that was not the case. Because I can tell you from that point on, my life fell. Apart completely. I ended up having the baby um, that I was pregnant with. The man that was there, I felt as though he is, he had damaged me. Um, I gave the baby up for adoption because I felt he was a negative impact in my life. And I know that's wrong now to think that that child had to suffer because of who this person was and the, the events that occurred, which were very, very harsh to me in my mind at the time. I still think to this day that he had something to do with my mother's death, but um, I have no proof. He did leave. So when I went into labor, the baby was coming breech. I was bleeding. I had no idea what was happening. When I got to the hospital, they had to do an emergency C-section. They, they said I could have died if I hadn't have got there when I did. So I, of course, had the baby, gave it up for adoption, like I said then tried to go and live in my life again but what happened is my son my three year old son because I had no family to watch my son got put in the system with social service and that's when I the things really fell when I lost him because that to me, was, he was a part of my mother. My mother raised him while I was trying to go to school and do everything I was doing for three years before she died. So that, that child, George, meant everything to me. So I lose one child because I'm giving it up for adoption. Then I lose my only source of life. So my grandmother steps into my place, you know, and into into the place of the mother figure. She paid for the funeral. She did everything she could. She gave me money, which at this point in my life, I had no value of money because no one ever taught me the value of money. I was given money like it was growing on trees. And no one ever explained, Oh, you gotta do this, this, and this, and you have to take care of this in your life, and you have to do this. No. Everything was always given. Even though we were living in shelter type housing, I still had that that thought in my head that I was being taken care of and that someone would always take care of me. So after my mother's death, I didn't have her doing what she was doing for me. My mother did everything. She cleaned. She cooked. She waited on me. She did everything for my son. I lived a spoiled brat life. Now, I don't know if she felt bad because of her ex addiction but I just know that She would do anything and everything for my benefit and my son's benefit. I mean, I think back to the times where she would go steal soy milk so my son would have his soy milk. I mean, that's crazy because she wanted him to be on an organic diet that she would go out and actually steal those types of foods. Um, I, I really... I laugh about it now, but that's the way her brain was thinking at the moment. Um, So moving on from there, um, the people that I lived the housing through, um, which was, their name is Shelter Plus Care. Um, Of course, I want to move closer to my grandmother. So I go to one of the worst neighborhoods, Brooklyn in Maryland. And if you want to see the most white trash of white trash, you can go there and live there. I choose not to. I had to. But that ended up leading my life down an even worse road. So I, I get I get on that road and I'm living and I'm trying to get my son back because they took him because I had no one to watch him while I went into labor. Which to me is insane. That I didn't have drugs in my system. I wasn't doing anything wrong. But you're going to keep my son for almost two years. So I fought for him. I got him back. And then after I got him back, my life you know, started to get better. My grandmother was steadily in my life. She was, she was there for me, and I asked her if she would buy me a computer because you know I wanted to be on the internet. And of course, I was alone. I didn't have a man. Well, I met a man, and he. He needed a place to stay. And of course, I'm young. I'm in my 20s. I'm not thinking. He did give me $200 a month. And I wasn't paying rent. So it was like, okay, I can do this. This is all good. So I meet him. And we get together. And, you know, we have sex, of course. And I get pregnant. But I did not know I was pregnant until I was six months. And this is a result of my daughter, Olivia Ireland, the most beautiful daughter anyone could possibly have. So I get pregnant, and he doesn't want the baby, though. He he made many, many statements as a If I could kill that baby, I would. Um, I know the grandparents don't like to hear that, but that is the truth. He physically hit me in front of my son, which was now six years old. And so I had a witness to this. Um, he He did hit me. He constantly would throw things at me. Um, I finally had him arrested for doing so. And that was all gone after I had him arrested. I didn't see him again till, um, there was a fight for Olivia. Um, so basically, I lived by myself while I was pregnant and I had my son. So he was in jail. And I went to labor, but this time I made sure to set up with anybody, and that was a horrible decision. But I had to do it because I did not want CPS taking my son again for that stupid reason, which I think should be overturned. I think there should be something put in place for women that go into labor and have no family to watch their children. This is a serious thing. This is this is not something that is minor. I mean, it, that that really it, it trips me out that people are actually going through stuff like that. Um, so I have my daughter and my daughter is a C-section too. So of course I have to recover. And when I had her, I got her right away. I had no issues because I did not have any drugs in my system. Um, so, basically, I have my son and I have my daughter. Well, Steve wants to try to get back into my life because at this moment, he's homeless. And, of course, I'm, I'm not dumb. I know that he just wants a place to lay his head. Now, he did get a decent check. Um, And at that moment, yes, I am thinking, well, that would help. So we're about to move back in together. And I get a phone call from my daughter's grandmother. And she says, Steve was hit by a car and killed on impact. So... Of course, I throw the phone down and I start crying because that is the father of my daughter. So now I have to deal with my mother's gone, my daughter's father's gone, and in between all of this, my father had died too, and I was very close with my father. My father was a very, very loving man toward me. I had my father for 22 years of my life, from birth to 22. So losing these three people, then I'm having to embark on the world with a six-year-old and a newborn, and I have no one. My grandmother, because there was a man in my life, She said, I will not help you anymore because she was from the old school um, up to the current date. Now we're in 2017. She is in her 80s. So you know what type of, of background she has. She has that thinking, or if you have a man, that man should pay for everything. Which got embedded in my head a lot. And that's... Sometimes I think the reason why I am the way I am. Um, but to get to the fact of, of the grief and, and the loss is, it gets deeper. I, I got to stay with a friend of mine because I lost my housing. And she made sure that we were good, that we had a good place to stay. It was me, my son, and my daughter. So we stayed with her for a while, and for the most part, it was a very, very promising and wonderful home to raise my two children in at that moment. Um, It was hard. We were in one room, and me and my son laid on the bed, and my daughter, of course, she was in her little um, bassinet, so, they really helped me. They helped me a lot. They helped me financially. They they helped me with child care. If I had to go places, they would watch my daughter. My son was in school. Um, she had two children of her own. Um, now, one day we got into a fight. This is a couple months into being there. And she kicks me out. So, now I'm homeless with two children. Well, luckily, I had a friend that told me to come over to where he lived and bring my children. The only thing is, of course, like all men, he wanted sex. This is a lot of where it starts, the the sexual part of my life. So I'm about 28 now, and men are looking at me like a sex object. I would not have sex with him at all. Um, so basically, he was a decent man enough to where he left the house and left me and my two children there. So I we weren't homeless. We had a place to lay our heads. And my daughter was getting $1,500 a month. So I was able to pay the rent, which was $600. Um, but come to find out, the house was being foreclosed on. So, I refused to pay rent to the man that was renting the renting the row home. Um, and I felt bad for a friend, and I let him come and stay there. So, I have my, me, my son, my daughter, now a friend. And this friend gets high, and... I didn't realize he got as high as he did. Well, after a series of events, Xanax was a big player in all this. And there were many reports to the school that this man was in my house. This is going on and that's going on. and, And it was stuff that I wasn't doing. It was someone else that was doing So CPS shows up and they remove my kids from me. So my son was seven, and come to find out, also the grandparents had made a report because they wanted Olivia. Um, so she was three and a half. So now I've lost my mother, my father, my daughter's father. Now my kids are ripped out from under me. So with no money. No job. Nothing. I struggled. I cried. I couldn't stand life. I went into the psych ward about six times. Different times. Different places. I was trying to heal. Nothing was getting better. My life felt like It was over. Like someone had just stabbed me and stabbed me over and over again. I I didn't even know what these feelings were. I kept thinking, what is this? Why is this happening to me? What have I done? I have been such a good-hearted, nice, sweet person. Why? and nothing could be answered. My grandmother stopped talking to me for no reason. Just It flabbergasted me. So I basically let more people come and stay with me and that ruined it. I packed my shit up. I left. I said, fuck this. I'm getting out of this neighborhood. It, All this toxicity around me. I'm getting out. I'm done. I went to John Hopkins Bayview in Baltimore, Maryland. I went to their psych ward. And I, of course, said I want to hurt myself. And, of course, that wasn't the truth. But you have to say that to get in. So they took me in. They helped me. I got into some transitional housing. After I saved the psych word and not everything got better. I'm not going to say this because there's another baby that's about to come into play. Cause it's funny. Every time I lose weight, I get pregnant. Cause when I'm thin, men find me so attractive. When I'm heavy, no, that doesn't happen. So uh, it's to me, I laugh at that, but that's the way you guys are. It seems. So, I, um, not all. So, basically, I meet a guy from a psych ward stay, and I thought I got pregnant by him, and it was not him. It was another man that I was with that was trying to, um, get away from everything, and I would be able to lay in his house and just get away from everyone. So I ended up getting pregnant again. This is after I've lost my kids. So I go to a place it's called CAP. It's in Baltimore, Maryland. It's Center for Addiction and Pregnancy. Um, because I am a methadone. So I decide not to give not to get an abortion. That was very it was a very hard decision because it I wanted to. I was older, and I'm like, why am I having this job? And then I said to myself, I'm giving it up for adoption. Um, So I went through this pregnancy, and it was hard. It was the hardest thing that I ever went through in my life. They would kick me out of the unit that we were allowed to stay on, and I had no home. So many nights, I walked around Highland Town, Baltimore, Maryland, up and down the streets, and I started prostituting. So I'm pregnant, I'm prostituting, and I'm sleeping on the street at night. And the program I'm in does not care. They just... They have no care in the world. Like, they just let you come in every day. You have to get your methadone. And and they send you back out after the groups. And it's like, oh, well, um, I'm sorry. You're struggling with taking Xanax. So guess what? We're going to throw you back out there and leave you out so you can get high even more. And I was shooting heroin on top of being pregnant. And taking Xanax. So, I figured, how do you do this? How do you get off of all this stuff when you're out on the street like this? So, I lived on the street for a couple months pregnant. I was eight months pregnant. Finally, one of the women got to talk to the doctor and begged him to let me come back while I was dirty. And dirty, meaning there were drugs in my system. They finally let me come back. So, now I'm back and I'm trying to get everything right. And I'm not on any drugs. I'm, I'm maintaining sobriety. I'm going to groups every day, which were three groups. They were our groups. And on the weekends, we lived there. Um, it was me and about 12 other females. Um, I had the child. Her name was Angelina. I, again, had a C-section. Um, I gave her up for adoption because I knew that was best. That was wrong for me to take a child and go into this world and get a check and live off of that. That's not proper parenting. And I I never will believe it is. Um, So, to say what I want to say, this is my first podcast. I I want you to know that there are many more things that I want to talk about that delve into the deepness and the depression and how I strived and got out of it. In the next podcast, I want to let you know I did get out of it, but it was not easy. I struggled. I took a lot of anger out on a lot of people that didn't even deserve it. I should have been angry at myself. I mean, I was angry at God for a long time, too, um, because I wanted to know why all my family was taken from me, why I had no one in my corner, why was I all alone with no knowledge of the world in my 30s now. So I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you do come back, because in the next episode I'm going to be talking about how I went from homeless to having a home. And I'm in sobriety. So thank you. And have a happy new year because this is 2017. I'm doing this. And the new year is going to be 2018. You will hear my story of how I go from being in a shelter to having a home. Thank you.